Amen. All right, so as I said, today is unity. Uh, and so this is a, um, a really cool Sunday. This is a Sunday I've been looking forward to for a while. Um, uh, it also means that I'm almost finished with basketball season. As I told Jared, doesn't like during basketball season, I'm not gonna be able to give as much. Uh, it's been a really hard uh, season. We're undefeated uh, almost. And so that, not, not that season, but the season of life has been hard. It's been busy. Um, but I've been looking forward to this Sunday because I get to preach again. But also, every January, this is a reset. It's it's me resetting my Bible reading plan for one. I'm like, all right, start back over. And then uh, we can have into it. Crud, I missed three days. Um, it's a reset. And this sermon series is always a reset. Uh, every year, it's the same nearly. Um, and every year, it's so, so good. No matter what comes out of it. This is good. And so for this Sunday, um, this is unity. And so I was talking to a few guys earlier. So often we have four Sundays in January. And so that means uh, the word, prayer, racial reconciliation or racial unity and sanctity of human life. And so this Sunday we have a fifth Sunday. Uh, and so what better way uh, to use a Sunday to really just understand what unity is and, and what God calls us to be unified um, and to sit it in the middle right here, I was joking with Brendan, semi-joking, it's very serious, um, that the word and prayer, whoever's preaching the word and prayer, we have no problem with that. Like, I get that. When, when Brendan preached, it was, Brendan was reading scripture about why the word is useful for all these things. And last week, as Jared talked about prayer, it's, yes, I know that I shouldn't feel shame. I know I feel shame when I don't pray to God, but I know how strong that is, how important that is, having those relationships with God. We don't have problems with that. The next two weeks is what we've seen a lot of issues, especially next week. Maybe not you here, but racial reconciliation, sanctity of human life. We want to talk about these things because we think they're important. But we also know that so many are going to be really uncomfortable with this. If you're not uncomfortable a little bit, maybe the first time you ever heard a sermon like that, or maybe you still do that kind of discomfort, um, something's probably not hitting just right. There's something probably not connecting. And so there should be discomfort. But we know that that shouldn't mean just, okay, I'm done. Um, and so that's why we're talking about unity today. Because the next two weeks have a tendency to kind of break up that unity. Um, and we've seen that over and over again. Not just the Crossing Church. Churches across America, especially right now, have seen this breaking up on these types of things. So we're going to talk about why that's important. I love tablets. Let's go again. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So every year as we get to walk through this, um, this year, specifically, 2022, we want to see that the gospel is not only the foundation of who we are, it is also the driving force behind God's mission. It's the foundation and the driving force behind God's mission. So what a time 
to see how the gospel moves us into mission. 2022, what a time. It is very clear that Monroe, West Monroe, the United States, the entire world, need the church right now. 2020, 21, 22, have all, well, 22 hasn't been terrible yet, but the last two, they have not been great. But the world has been in great need of the church since Jesus ascended. Not because we have everything under control in the church, not because the church is a perfect group without corruption, obviously. It is clear that those who are lost in the dark are searching for something to cling to. But everything continues to fall short or end. We know the one who they can surely cling to, they can lean on, they can find rest in. We know and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the world is crying out for that. They don't know that. They don't know they're crying out for Jesus. But we know. We know they're looking for something. And we've experienced this love, this Jesus, that will not fail. He will not fail us. They're crying out for that. But then something happens. So they need that. We have it. And then we hit a wall. And I know you felt that. So often, we have such a hard time moving from the foundation of who we are to this driving force of sharing the gospel with those in the dark, those we know really well. Why? Why is that? What seems to be happening, especially in the last two years, is that we, the church, begin to get caught up in all the things the world is trying to cling to, all that other stuff that's going to eventually fail. The world is attempting to establish foundations over and over again in the finite, attempting to build on the creation rather than the creator, but again and again, it's going to continue to crumble. No matter what they build their foundation on, if it's not Jesus, it's going to crumble. So often, we get wrapped up in that. We get wrapped up in it, and we begin to see what we think are cracks in the foundation, because we get caught up in that. And so we, along with the world, see cracks in the foundation. So that's when we may begin to feel distant from the church. Anger and apathy start to move its way in towards God's people because we see flaws in the foundation. So maybe this isn't you at all, or it's never been, maybe a little bit. I don't want to speak for anybody. But I have definitely felt things that were not love, peace, and joy about and toward the church a couple times the past two years. I don't know about you. Maybe you're just all giggles and rainbows and sunshine, sunshine about the church. Um, not me. I, I, I've not constantly felt that over the last two years. Because the cracks in the foundation are real, but whatever it is we're building on, whatever that foundation is, is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there's cracks in the foundation, then that foundation is not Jesus. That's what we need to see. It's impossible, if our foundation is the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's impossible to have flaws. There are no flaws when it comes to Jesus. There are mysteries that we will not understand with these minds on this world right now, but the gospel is perfect. It is perfect. Jesus is the perfect king, savior, son, brother, sacrifice. When we experience or we see Flaws or emptiness in these foundations that we're building on, we must realize we're building on and possibly, if it gets really bad, being driven by something else entirely that is not Jesus. No matter how close it seems to be Jesus, 
or even far away, it's not Jesus if there's cracks in the foundation. And so, sometimes these cracks do begin to expand a little too wide for some. And this is where we see, maybe on a small scale, someone leaving a gospel-centered church for another gospel-centered church. Because those cracks, those divisions, the differences, are too big. Because of some disagreements, some cracks in the foundation that are like could very likely have been mended pretty easily, but they weren't. Uh, and it's going to be okay, though, because they're going to continue to be loved, and they're going to continue to serve in another church. And, and, and that, that happens on a small scale. Larger scale, that sometimes can be worse, for sure. In a more difficult situation, the grass become too much entirely, and someone completely turns away from Jesus. Because they see the cracks. They think, okay, there's cracks in this foundation. They think they're building on Jesus, but it's religion or it's something else. Then why would I believe in this? Every time I'm, we have, like, our foundation is terrible right now, and I'm thinking about, okay, why would we live in this house? Why would I stay in this house? Why would I stay a part of this if there's flaws in this? And so they leave entirely. We know from walking through Hebrews 5 and 6 that if some fall away from Jesus, they were never truly belonging to Jesus. But that doesn't make it any easier to deal with when someone you love dearly walks away. Whether they're leaving for another body of believers they'll be loved by better, they think, or falling away forever, it is really hard. This division, this, these cracks in the foundation have been really hard to deal with. And so no matter your time part of the crossing or any church, You've probably experienced this. One side or the other, this is why we're taking a Sunday to look deeply at unity in Jesus. Unity within the church. So it would be great if I could simply say be unified and we can see it happen. Unfortunately, that's not the case. God has made each and every one of us unique. My wife has been on the stage the past four nights singing, dancing, making people laugh with a Brooklyn accent. Um, I would rather have another root canal than do that for two weeks. Absolutely. It's, I, I love watching. I love theater. I love all that. I could not be on the stage and do all that. Absolutely not. But she and Emily are great at it. We are very different. I'm good at reading from a tablet in front of you right now and standing right here and not moving at all. all right? We are different in so many ways. And so since we're different, it might take, it's probably going to take work to move through these differences and seek unity. So, these differences, liberal, conservative, or somewhere in the middle, homeschool, public school, private school, greatest Star Wars movie, Revenge of the Sith, or one of those old dumb ones. Um, just kidding. Teachers, stay-at-home parents, or a job that makes money. Let's talk about racial reconciliation, or no thanks, that makes me too uncomfortable. Reformed, Arminian, or who cares? With these differences comes the tendency to build on them instead of Jesus. All these things, all these things that makes us different, we want to build on those so often rather than make Jesus our foundation. When that happens, it's really difficult to be unified in the gospel. And if we're not unified in the gospel, how can we be driven out into our communities and our world by that same gospel? And if we're not being driven out to saturate the world, then what are we doing? Nothing. So, back to Ephesians. Since chapter 4 does start with therefore, that means we've got to read what's before it, what's it therefore kind of thing. So I'm going to go back to chapter 3 to see where Paul is coming from with all this. So I'm going to start with verse 14 in chapter 3. It says, 
For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, width, height, and depth of God's love. And to know that Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask of thee, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul prays the church, who is rooted in God's love, will be able to understand how inconceivable that love is. The church in Ephesus, Monroe, Western Road today, that we know and believe that we have been loved. Knowing this love of the Father goes well beyond anything we can imagine. I can only imagine. I, we, I know we talk about this for a reason. He desires the church to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that we may be filled with the fullness of God. So Christian, do you know that you are loved? Do you believe that you are loved? How can you love as the Father has loved if you don't know or believe that you have been loved? The Father loves you. Jesus died for you. We can skip over it so easily and overuse the word so much. We have to be able to comprehend even a small portion of God's love for his adopted children. We are loved by the Father. We have been saved by the Son. We are now filled with the Holy Spirit, made into the church, and given the Word of God. We have to get to that before we can even think about unity. We have to know and believe that is who we are before unity can happen. If we skip over that, then we're not going to be unified because we don't have that. And that this love is what unifies us. So now, chapter 4. Let's go through these first three again. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing one another, one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because we have experienced ultimate love and salvation, we are now called to humbly, gently, patiently, and lovingly Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So there are definitely a few things that I want to, maybe consciously or subconsciously, skip over in that verse when it comes to seeking unity among the church. So some honest vulnerability from an elder right now. I'm always honest, but now I'm vulnerable. First, gentleness and patience. So when division of the church comes, I quickly lose patience. I don't lose patience very easily. When it comes to that, I lose patience because I'm not relying on the Spirit to deal with it. It's often, okay, now what should I do about this? That's when the enemy finds his way in, begins to tell me lies about those I disagree with. Those divisions grow bigger. Begins to elevate the things that don't matter more than the gospel. And my patience is gone. It's, 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 it's done for and then when patience is gone, gentleness is right behind it, out the door. Anger and frustration fill its place, 
And then comes a very negative season of life. It could be a day, a week, a month. If you walk in on Sunday morning and I don't look happy, it's a negative season of life. And it could be something along those lines. And it could be I just forgot to drink coffee that morning. But it's a negative season of life. I might begin in that negative season to become harsh rather than gentle with those I disagree with. I may even begin to belittle what they believe to make me feel better about what I believe and make them feel less than what they believe. I may talk about them negatively behind their back. Gossip. I know it's, it's, it's real. But all of this is because I did not rely on the Spirit to supply me with patience and gentleness, humility and love. Because I began to lose sight of Jesus and thought the things of the world were the big picture instead of Jesus. That is the only reason I got to that point. It's the only reason I get to that point when division comes in the church. When the enemy starts working or if it's just differences. That is it. I start to see, we start to see these things that we're trying to build our houses on. These foundations, they're, they're it. And then, they, and then they crack immediately. <clears throat> also, what I skip over a lot, the command from Paul to make every effort to seek unity. Making every effort can be really hard sometimes if you've not tried it. Sometimes exhausting, knowing that if we make these differences become divisions, what happens to those relationships? If they linger, if, if someone doesn't bring it up and it's just sitting with them, and that difference becomes a division and that division becomes just, I'm, I'm gone. And so we know that we've, we've seen that. And so when you go through that a couple times, you don't want to make any efforts anymore. You want to make very minimal efforts. So if we think about the crossing church right now, or think about a church that you've been a part of right now, differences happen, and, and a lot of these differences turn into division. And so right now, in this room, there's one person who was at the first meeting of the crossing church in 2014. Okay? Not, nothing said about me. I don't know. I don't know why I'm still here. I'm just kidding. I know I'm still here. Um, the Hawthorns and, and me. So a lot of these have been sending out, have been good sending out. Or, hey, you're in school in Mississippi. If Barfield was in Monroe now, he'd be a part of the Crossing Church. But he's a part of another church in wherever he's at. Mississippi. How do you spell it? Yeah, who knows? Mississippi. It's all the same. All right? I don't know that we offended by that. All right? So we've had these good sending outs. We've had these good seasons of life. But a lot of them, the people who are not here today, who have been a part of the Crossing Church at any point in the last seven or eight years, is because of these differences, and, and they become division. And so you, when you experience that, whether it's the crossing or another church, I think it's really hard to do it again and again and again. And it gets so easy to just be like, go in peace. I'm, I'm not going to strive to make unity in this because it doesn't matter. Or I'm holding on to what I believe is truth. And it's, again, another fake foundation that's going to crack for us as well. We must make every effort to seek unity, to be unified in the gospel. So Paul goes on in verse 4 to show us it is impossible for the church to be divided if they are rooted in the gospel. This is where it gets really difficult to see. It's impossible to be divided. We would say not so, it's definitely possible if they're rooted in the gospel. So he said in verse 4, over and over again, there is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope 
in your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. We cannot be divided based on who we truly are. Because we're truly rooted in one perfect being made into one body. Not the crossing church, one body. Every church in Monroe and across the world, we're one body. To say that we can be divided from the gospel would be an absolute oxymoron. The gospel cannot be divided. So if there is true division, if there is division in the church, it has to be division based on something else, a false gospel. I think Piper calls it like lowercase little gospel, little g gospel, whatever it is. It's something else. Paul really presses in this urgency for unity in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You can just listen or make your way there as well. He says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say. That there may be no divisions among you. You may be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people. There is rivalry among you. What I'm saying is this. One of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in Paul's name? So when we feel this temptation to distance ourselves from the church or distance ourselves from other members who have differences, those differences become too uncomfortable. We want to make them divisions. These are the questions we have to ask ourselves to kind of wake up, to open our eyes and see that we are not standing on the correct foundation. Can Christ be divided? Absolutely not. There are no two different Christs. And it's so difficult sometimes because he is the sacrificial lamb and he is the enraged, just angry for his people lion is going to fight for his people. So how do we put those together? We can't right now. We're not going to be able to put those together. But there is one Jesus. And I love when Paul goes on this kind of stuff. Was Paul crucified for me? Was it my ideals that were crucified for me that saved me? Was it my family that I loved dearly that was crucified for me? No. Was I baptized in the name of Paul, Trump, Biden, my pastor, the extra podcast pastor? No, it happens. It's fine. When we attempt to stand on or root ourselves in anything else but Jesus, the cracks in the foundation will come and we will fall. We're going to crumble. So does Paul mean we must agree on every single detail of life? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. For one, the divisions he speaks of is based on who Jesus is for the Ephesians and the Corinthians for this passage. He's not addressing everything else because everything else doesn't matter. He's not addressing all that. He's not saying, I agree with every single detail because those details don't matter. They're good. A lot of times they're really good gifts, but they don't matter. So everything else is meant to point us to Jesus. Whether that be good gifts that point us to the most gracious, perfect gift, our inheritance made possible through Jesus on the cross, or these things, these other foundations, are empty idols meant to point us to the needing of something greater. Everything is pointing us to Jesus. So we don't have to agree on every single thing because they don't matter. We also know that we will never agree on every single issue because we are human. And we are different. God made us unique in so many ways for a reason. 
at least to bring himself glory by showing how incredible of a creator he is to make us all so unique. We are different. So if we're to be unified, to not be divided on the gospel, because that is impossible, if we are indeed rooted in the true gospel of Jesus, how do we deal with these differences? So not the simple differences that you don't really think about until it comes up in a conversation with a brother and sister. There are so many things that I can look past in every single person here that I love in this room. I love you all. And there's so many little things, whether they're just funny things and what we like, what we dislike. PBS as a kid, as an insider for two people. Um, so lame. No. All those things, I, we can look past all these little things. They, I'm not even talking about those. I'm talking about these things that come really, really, really close to the gospel in, in our hearts. Okay? The real differences that step very close to that line that we hold on to that is the difference between someone's opinion and absolute truth that must line up with our thinking. There is a very fine line right there that we know all the time this is absolute truth. And then right across that line, that's your opinion. Go in peace. Like we, we can love and, and live together. There is a fine line, though. So how do we deal with those differences? Those really big, hard things that we're going to, uh, not unfortunately, fortunately, get to talk about next Sunday. Those things that make us really uncomfortable. For those differences, Jared shared a really helpful article a while back written by Michael Graham. Uh, he wrote it last summer. It's called The Six-Way Fracturing of Evangelicalism. Or look it up or get us to send it to you. Um, Obviously, not the gospel, not filled with just amazing truth. There's like a few things I disagree on. But the overall point, what Graham does, is separate people into six groups based on where they fall in this fracturing of the church. It's a very helpful read. It's encouraging and discouraging at the same time, like a lot of things in life right now. But it's really helpful. And so I want to read a section from the beginning and, and one from the end to give you an idea what exactly he's talking about. And hopefully give you the opportunity to think on what your foundation is right now. Can you find perfect unity with that foundation? Or you know that there is someone who's going to just come at you and it's, that foundation is going to crack. Because it's not gospel. So in the beginning he says, The reality is that while many in the evangelical movement thought their bonds were primarily or exclusively theological or missional, many of those bonds were actually political, cultural, or socioeconomic. These political, cultural, and socioeconomic differences have always been there beneath the waterline, but what has occurred over the last five to ten years has been the extent to which those values are expressed has now been exposed. With the expression louder and the exposing more visible, these divergent values have rapidly created substantive, uh, substantive wedges between various subgroups. And so what we thought connected us, we thought that was gospel. What turns out, after crap hits the fan, COVID-19, then we see it as an opportunity, not an obstacle. Then comes, okay, no, what actually connected a lot of us were our political values or our similarity in socioeconomic things or culturally or just like-minded people. That's what actually was connecting us. It wasn't the gospel. 
And so the past five, ten years have really opened a lot of our eyes to see that. That our foundation was not the gospel. We thought it was. We thought it was fully gospel. Everything that connected us was gospel. It turns out it wasn't for a lot of people. And now we have these different groups. You can read the article to get into different groups. You can place yourself. It's a new Enneagram thing. You can be annoying with your number and all that kind of stuff. You can place yourself in these groups. You can think on, okay, where do I line up with this? And so I know for a lot of us, um, I think Jerry even said, and you read the, I may be speaking for him, I'd be lying. It's like two to three. And so you don't have to place yourself in one group. You don't have to read the thing at all. But you can kind of see, read the description and see, okay, I get this. I can see why I've kind of placed myself in this thinking. Because we, there, there are wedges now. There are gaps. There are fractures. And so at the end, um, it's pretty much what do we do about this? And <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> Pray. He says, it is easier for institutions to throw around their collective weight in distancing and removing various subgroups from their mission than it is for local pastors to see people leave who've been in their church for decades. This is why pastors are beat down and tired. If you didn't know, your pastors are beat down and tired. As local churches continue to observe this fracturing in their context, it will be necessary they move forth with courage, compassion, and conviction for those across this spectrum. This will at times mean saying goodbye to brothers and sisters who you have ministered alongside years, and other times mean calling back those who want nothing more than to be done with the church. This is where we are right now. Um, whether that be a specific season of life where we know there's fraction within the Crossing Church or a church in our area, or a longer season where we know it's going to come. We, we know that these differences are going to kind of creep in and they're going to just hide underneath that waterline. They're going to kind of fake as the gospel. And then when they come up um, and we see them, we've been holding on to how big they are in our hearts. Um, division will happen. And so in those moments, we know, we must believe that we are rooted in the gospel. We are rooted in God's love for us. We have to get that first. We have to know that we are connected. Our foundation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, that's first. And then from that, after these differences start to come up, I, I know that we have to be okay with people leaving, with, with people going somewhere else where they line up more culturally or politically. We have to be okay with that. Um, and it's gonna get harder and harder. I, I, I do not believe it will get easier. Um, it's, there's, there will not be a moment where I'm like, okay, I'm finally, I've gone through it enough. I'm hardened now. That might actually happen. <laughs> I don't know. And so as we go forward with, with courage, with diligence, loving one another, striving to be unified on the gospel, in the gospel, not worry about the things that don't matter. I know it's easy to say right now. It's easy to say, don't worry about the things that are the little gospel or the false gospels. I know it's easy to say right now. And when it comes up, when it just you butt heads, it's really difficult to back down. I am hopeful. I am prayerful. Especially as Paul calls us in humility, with humility, with gentleness, patience, and love, we can seek unity. 
And so really quick, uh, before I close out, uh, before I parade, um, that means not just seeking unity with those things. It also means letting go of the other things with humility, gentleness, love, and patience. It doesn't just mean, hey, let's be unified in the gospel. That's, that's pretty simple. We can be unified in the gospel. We can break down things that don't matter. But the breaking down of things that don't matter, we really need to seek the Spirit in humility, gentleness, love, and patience. So I hope you join me in that. Um, within our bishop communities, the conversations happen more. With our DNAs, the conversations happen more and more. When we experience those differences, celebrate the differences. Please celebrate the differences and how different God has made us. And then working through the differences, move back to what centers us all, our foundation in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being with us. Um, this is a, a very hopeful um, topic, unity. It's also a very hard topic um, because no matter what, no matter how much I read from a tablet or how much I know that you desire unity within the church, all I can think of uh, are those who have left, um, those who are serving, those who are loved by other churches, um, it's so hard. So God, thank you for working in our hearts right now. God, I pray that you are with us as we continue to work through this fracturing, this division uh, that, that is definitely going to come more and more. It's not going to stop once COVID is eradicated, once whoever is in Alpha is in Alpha is next, God. Uh, we know that no matter what, that we will continue to look toward the creation rather than the creator. We know we're going to continue to run from you. We know there is still sin, still sin in the world. So God, I pray that over and over again, as we turn back to you, as we seek unity, God, remind us of what our true foundation is. Remind us of the gospel daily through each other, through your word, through nature, through all these good gifts, through our lack of of gifts, maybe sometimes God, these we worship of idols, remind us of our need for you. God, bring us together, not on every single thing that doesn't matter. Let us celebrate uniqueness. But God, bring us together in the gospel. Please unite the cross and church. Unite the church in Monroe and West Monroe. The big, the little, the mega, the home church. Unite us in the gospel because we know that if this is the foundation that it will actually be the driving force and mission, and we will see a revival among our Western world. We will see our cities and our communities saturated with the gospel. But if we continue to make these foundations, these little gospels, these false gospels, these things that don't matter, nothing's going to happen. So God, I pray that you wake us up. God, unify us today. Please do the work, Jesus. I love you. Thank you. That, make, that this is all possible because of you. Thank you for your comfort, for your peace in times that it may seem hopeless. I love you. Thank you, Jesus, for the gospel. Be with us as we worship you. Be glorified today as we sing, as we take communion, and as we're sent out to be unified. Amen. Amen.